Hey everybody, welcome to Cigars and Syndication. I'm Robbie, I'm here with my co-host Jay, and um, we're going to smoke a wonderful cigar today, and um, we're actually going to answer some questions left in our comment section, and, and maybe just continue talking about current events. Hey everybody, my name is Janae Noor, uh, welcome to Cigars and Syndications. Uh, we are passionate about real estate, number one, and we are passionate about cigars, number one, so it's pretty much the same. Uh, we're smoking a Hoyo de Monterey. We're going to review it a little bit later, uh, in the podcast, but we're going to go ahead and get started with our questions that people wanted answered, um, on our, on our, uh, YouTube, uh, channel. So what was the first question that we had? So the, one of the first questions was, is what happens if you're a wholesaler and, and your buyer can't close by the close date? So, so this is pertaining to our uh, podcast that we did on wholesaling and wholetailing. Um, a very good question. Uh, as the as the wholesaler, uh, you get into a contract with a seller. Now, the contract uh, will have earnest money, and it will have a date by which part of that earnest money will become what's known as hard money. That means the seller gets to retain a portion of that earnest money, whether you close or not. So let's take an example, $100,000 contract. Maybe you're putting in $10,000 in earnest money and $200 is hard. Goes hard after 30 days or 60 days that within 60 days, and a lot of wholesalers, what they'll do is uh, they'll want a longer period of time. They won't do a normal 30-day contract as you would when you go to buy a house uh, off the MLS where you want to live in it. And it'd be, it, would it be typical to have a larger portion of the earnest money go hard if you get a longer contract? Uh, well, wholesalers are very good about keeping their, their, um, uh, their losses to a minimum. So what they'll usually do is they'll be like, you know, I'm going to try my best and I'm going to try and close this deal for you. Uh, Mr. Seller, if I don't, you get $200 because I took up your time. Um, usually they will not go with a larger number because they do a lot of these, right? It's all a numbers game. And what happens is uh, that you may get into 10 contracts with 10 different sellers and be able to flip maybe two of them. Well, if you're earnest money that you're giving to each seller in the event that you don't sell is a thousand dollars you're out eight thousand dollars so what these guys try to do is they keep it down to like a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars i've seen a hundred dollars well look you know i'm gonna give you a hundred dollars if i don't you know you're not so basically what it is it becomes a sales job on their part right you're not selling this house until you fix it up and since you don't want to fix it up and you don't have the money or you don't have the time or you have the, you don't have the inclination to fix it up, let me try and sell it for you. You got nothing to lose. If uh, I don't sell it, you get to keep a hundred bucks. I walk away. If I do sell it, I buy it for, you know, um, for cash. Um, there won't be any appraisal. There won't be any inspection. And so that's the other portion of wholesalers, right? When the wholesaler flips it to the investor. So when I purchased properties from wholesalers, um, there's no appraisal. They're not going to wait for an appraisal. You got to close within a week, 10 days maximum. So the investor has to approach the wholesaler and the investor has to have cash. So the wholesaler really has 
a little bit of negotiating and 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 not a lot of risk as long as they understand what their risk is um, it, it should be pretty clear in the contract correct so the wholesaler is basically the middleman right he's the one who or she's the one who knocks on doors finds the deals gets those under contract so that um uh they're secure and then turns around and just assigns the contract right and typically as the investor the investor pays both sides of the closing costs. So we pay the sellers and the buyers because, and again, it's all, that's, that's how it is. It's all part of the deal, right? We pay both sides of the closing costs. You know, we, if we want an inspection, we can get an inspection. Typically there, there are no inspections. You have to know enough to be able to go in as the investor and say, yep, these are the problems. I know them. I recognize them. I'm buying the house as is, where is, because the price I'm getting it for is is an amazing price. Well, I think that clears that that first comment up. Um, we have another question, and it's it's in regards to when you do the, the wholesaling, do you do it under an LLC or personally? So so normally you want to do it. So here here is the, the caveat, right? Um, if your strategy is to just, well, as a wholesaler, uh, you will go ahead and do it under an LLC. You will not do it personally. As an investor, if your strategy is to hold the property and rent it out in order to get favorable interest rates and in financing, you need to have it under your own name. You cannot have it under an LLC. Fannie Mae will not loan to an LLC uh, as an investment property. Um, they will only loan to an individual. Um but uh, back to the wholesaling side, if I'm a wholesaler, I want to do all these properties under under an LLC because uh, the LLC protects the wholesaler from any lawsuits. It protects any of their other assets from any judgments. And, you know, business is business. And at the end of the day, somebody gets upset. They want to sue you. Um, if, if, if you wind up losing the lawsuit, then... You know, the, the, the LLC uh, is the one that gets uh, thrown out the window and your personal assets and your other LLCs survive. I mean, and ideally, as, as a wholesaler, you really don't want to be on any deeds or anything. You just kind of want to pass it through. Correct. You're, you're not. So there are wholesalers who will do what's called a double close. And the reason they do double closes is because they don't want the end buyer to know what they're paying for the property. But wholesalers who are starting off will always do an assignment of a contract. So uh, myself as the end buyer, I get to see the original contract and I've signed an assignment of a contract with the wholesaler. So they're basically just passing through. Now, uh, be careful of title. Uh, there are certain title companies and there are certain issues within titles where a title company will not do a double close. So make sure that uh, as a wholesaler, make sure that you have uh, your attorney review the contract, number one, and then you have your title company review title and make sure that that title is going to be clear. Uh, there are not going to be any issues. There are no deed restrictions. There's no, there are no issues from their lender uh, to, to do a double close. So really, if, if you were just starting out, would you would you prefer to, to have 
everything goes through an LLC and a different LLC for each individual property? Uh, yes. If ideally you don't need to, you don't need separate LLCs if you're going to close one and then start another one, but that's never the reality. The reality is you may have, you know, eight or 10 different contracts or properties under contract, which you're trying to sell at the same time. And yes, ideally you want, you want them in separate LLCs. So the, the commenter went a little further and, and he was wanting to know what were the tax implications and then what are some of the finance implications of, of the LLC versus doing it personally? So uh, on an LLC, uh, you don't really get a lot of tax benefits on the LLC side uh, because for a wholesaler, you're not actually buying the property. It is an operational entity, right? So it is ordinary income. Uh, LLCs are really, really good to protect you from, uh, they're, they're very good to put, to place property in. So if you are doing it where you're buying it and then you're going to sell it, so you're doing a double close, then yes, an LLC is good. Um, you can't really depreciate the property because, uh, it's not, it's for resale, right? It's, it's inventory for you. It's not an investment property. Uh, and again, you know, talk to your own tax advisor because everybody's situation is different. Um, the LLC is a good protection vehicle, but so would an S corporation be a good protection vehicle. A C corporation would be a good protection vehicle. As long as you're the wholesaler who all they're doing is flipping properties or flipping, not even properties, but flipping contracts. Um, you, you don't get the benefits of depreciation, or at least, I mean, there are some CPAs who would disagree with me, but to me, that is not, you are not as a wholesaler investing in those properties. If you're, if you're flipping the contract, you're basically buying a, you're buying a right, an assignment of a contract. You're not really purchasing property. Well, that, that clears it up on the, on the whole wholesaling side. What about the wholetailing side of finance? So the wholetailing is different, right? The wholetailing is a little bit of a hybrid where you get a, a property under contract, you do the renovations, and then you sell it directly to the end retailer, um, where you can make the, where there's a, the, uh, the, the prospect of making a lot more money, uh, on the end. Um, at that, in that, uh, situation, I would want to put my property into an LLC um, because now there's some liabilities, there's some risk here. Uh, I'm not just flipping a contract, I'm actually putting money in, I'm going to have renovations done to the property um, and I'm selling it to the end, uh, the end buyer rather than another investor because the other investor will do the same thing. And you're not looking for a typical mortgage here. You're as an LLC, you're going to go out, you're going to get a construction loan for the duration of the project. So uh, I would not get a construction loan from a bank. What I would do is I would go and get a hard money loan uh, from a hard money lender. And uh, yes, the interest rates are high right now. But if the deal is good enough, you factor that in. And what you want to do is you get the property under contract, you do the renovations to it, you sell it to the end buyer, and you want to be able to sell, get out in and out of there within 90 days. And with 90 days, even if you're paying 12% interest, it's only 90 days worth of interest. 
Okay. And what are, what's the biggest difference between a, a hard money lender and just going and getting a commercial loan from a bank? So a hard money lender will give you uh, money based on the after repair value of the property. So let's say the property is, uh, you're buying it for $100,000. And let's say if you do so many different renovations to it, let's say $25,000 worth of renovations, the property will be worth $200,000. And you have the comps, the comparables of other properties within that area that have sold, and you can prove that it can sell for $200,000. Well, the hard money lender will give you 80% of the $200,000, which is $160,000. Now, with that one sixty, dollars you can buy the property. You can... Uh, renovate it because your cost of buying and renovating is $125,000. Plus you'll have some money to be able to make those interest payments along the way. Or you could just turn around and say, okay, look, I'm getting $160,000 for the property. I don't need $160,000. I only need $25,000 or $50,000 because I am wholetailing it. I am just putting it under contract. I'm going to renovate it. Now the risk is you don't sell the property you're out of a loan of $50,000 or $25,000, and the owner of the property gets $25,000 of renovations, which he's not going to pay for. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the best way to go. No, that is not the best way to go. But, you know, let's say let's say the owner of the property is a relative, and they're perfectly fine with, you know, making that deal with you. That might work. You At the end of the day, you make more money. But the, if I would do it in a wholesale uh, I would just, I would rather just go ahead and purchase the property because now the risk is mine, right? If I, if I don't sell it, uh, for the price that I want, maybe I take a loss on it, but I don't take a complete loss on it. So wholetailing has a lot of risks involved in it, but you know, the money's there. And if you want to take the risk, uh, you know, the, the, the returns are quite good. You know, I, I know that there's a lot of people that aren't really familiar with the hard money loans and especially, you know, when they get into this this wholesaling and hotel wholesaling, they uh, they clearly um, it's new grounds for a lot of people. Is it is it more difficult to get a hard money loan? How long does it typically take to get a hard money loan? So the hard money loan is is actually easier if you can prove you know what you're doing. So hard money loans uh, they will require an appraisal, but they do a very quick appraisal. Um, and sometimes if you know the hard money lender like the hard money lender that I use, uh, I've proven myself to him over and over again, so he doesn't even do an appraisal with me. What he does is he'll be like, okay, show me your comps. He looks at the comps, good to go. It looks good. Um, And typically they'll be able to close your deal within 10 days. Oh, wow, that's quick. Yeah, so uh, it is expensive. They'll charge two points up front. Uh, Your interest rates will be, Anywhere right now, I think anywhere between 10 and 12% a year annually. But, you know, if you're going to be in and out in 90 days, then, you know, you have no money out of your pocket. Uh, you turn around, you sell it, you pay down the wholesaler. They will get, I'm sorry, the the hard money lender. Uh, they will put a lien on the property. So uh, if you don't pay or if you can't sell or if you can't flip the property, they basically take it over and you lose everything you've put into it. How long of a time period are the hard money lenders usually comfortable with? They usually, uh, they usually want 60 days 
and then the interest rate goes up after 60 days. They want you in and out of there in 60 days. Either refinance that into a regular loan. And also remember, the, uh, a conventional loan will give you loan to cost, right? If you're buying the property for $100,000, they are going to give you 80% of $100,000 or 70% of $100,000. The hard money lender will give you what's called ARV, the after repair value. And if that after repair value is $200,000, they'll give you 80% or 70% of the 200000 So it puts a lot more money in your pocket, gives you a lot more to work with to go out there, buy the property, have money for renovations. And, and typically what they'll do is they'll, they'll let you do draws. So you'll still need a little bit of cash on hand. Um, you'll go in and let's say you renovate the, the, the kitchen. Right. And, and this is one of those things where you're going to, you're going to kind of play a little bit of a credit game with your, your subcontractor. He goes in, he renovates the kitchen. You have, you know, a week to pay him. You go and let the hard money lender know that you've renovated the kitchen. Kitchen. They come out, they do an inspection. They release the, the funds for the kitchen to you. You pay your, your subcontractor, no money out of pocket. I mean, that seems like a pretty good way to go. I mean, they close fast. Uh, it's, it's set up like in a draw system. However, it's just more expensive. It is more expensive. And, uh, you know, the, the risk it, of you uh, not knowing or not being able to close on the property afterwards, not being able to sell it, you lose the renovations, you lose your points, you lose all the interest you pay to date. They basically take over the property and then they'll fix it up and they'll sell it and you don't have anything. So, yes, it's it's project management it's understanding the renovation portion of it it's having good contractors it's understanding the market so the idea is go out there evaluate properties learn the market that you're going to be in learn the renovations talk to the contractors don't jump in first well i think that covers uh, our commenters questions pretty thoroughly i mean uh, good job jay Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, anybody else has comments, have you have questions, I'd, we'd be happy to answer them. Uh, you know, our website, www.albanyparkcapital.com. We've got a lot of article, articles on there. Hit the resources tab and read the articles and leave us some comments. And we'd, we'd be happy to share whatever knowledge we have on the topic with you. Well, I've really enjoyed this Epicure number two. It's um, really smooth. Uh, nice, really rich tobacco flavor, maybe a little bit of leather, a little bit of spice, and, and it's burning magnificently and uh, just a really good, consistent flavor throughout. Yeah, this one doesn't is not one where, where the profile changes. It's basically the same profile throughout. And, you know, a lot of people do like that. They don't like the, the, the change in the profiles. Uh, but, yeah, it's a good smoke. It's consistent throughout, uh, and it's just a very strong tobacco flavor. So this is a Hoyo de Monterey Epicure number 2. I would run out and buy one if you can find it. If you can find it, yes, I, I would recommend it highly. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again. Have a good day.